all to come alone. Who says I did? The League of Freedom! Black Saturn, Scourge of the Night, and Day 2. Washington is hallowed ground. So says American Ranger. We're all saying our names? That's what's going on? Cage! You go, Robobot! Yeah, I'm not going to do that. People of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy Planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. In a friend boy. This is the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, Derek McCall. Show off. He's just showing off. <laughs> this is Derek McCall, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Wednesday, October 21st, 2015, a.k.a. Back to the Future Day. We are not responsible for Quick, any, Marty. any news or gossip that happens after, well, really, after uh, 7 o'clock uh, tonight, uh, because we've already set our agenda in stone. All right, so, uh, of course, that was our podcast announcer, our man in Los Angeles. I'm Nate Costa. And across from me, hosting us at the Brett Cave in an undisclosed location. I am Rick Brett Snyder. And, of course, if you are listening to this on iTunes, please rate us, uh, subscribe, tell your friends. I think that's all I need to say. You can do that on on Stitcher as well. Where you can also find us on the Stitcher app, uh, and you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. I think we are still on Podcast Pickle, yep. and I think maybe even Podcast.com. So mm. you can find us in a variety of places. But if you go to fanboyplanet.com, you can also find things we've talked about on this podcast and get them on Amazon if you cannot find them at your local small business store. That seemed a little bit redundant, but also, but very uh, your prestige voice. But more, delivery. but more redundancy here is if you'd like to just kick some money back to us, there is a very helpful PayPal link on each and every page of Fanboy Planet. So thank you very much. And if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. The first criticism being Derek, stop talking because we have a lot of comics news. Wow, we got a lot of movies wow. news. Yeah, and they're all from Rick Brett. That's a great um, soundbite. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've got uh, a lot of comics news movie news tv news we have a very special guest tonight i'm so excited i'm excited too can we go to him right now we shall we have waiting in the virtual green room who has heard all of this uh is keegan michael key welcome good evening gentlemen how are you oh so excited Amazing. to have you on the show uh, we have been, uh, you know, obviously fans of Key and Peele, and I've been a huge fan, and we've done a lot of uh, pre-publicity for Super Mansion, where you are voicing uh, American Ranger, yes, the kind of Captain America analog who was stuck in a time tunnel at the end of World War II, only to be unfrozen whenever America needed him again, but was kind of right. forgotten 
right? Yes, kind of forgotten. And, and of course, he's stuck. He's stuck in the era of which he was last in, which of course was World War II. So he's um, he's unabashedly racist and has no idea what's going on. So he just he has. He, at any, I at just watched turn, that episode with Scott Thompson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> With, you just listened to the episode of Scott Thompson? I just watched the episode. With, oh, with watch, Scott. Yeah, why would you listen to it without looking at it? There'd be no reason for you to not look at it. It's not radio. Unlike American <laughs> Ranger, who's still trying to figure out how a television works. But um, I also voiced the character of Sergeant Agony. Um, you did? Was, okay. Yes. The, the, yes the, um, In the, the pilot. Actually, more than anything, just a big, fat homage to Samuel L. Jackson and everything he's ever done. So... Um, because he looks like uh, Nick Fury from uh, the Avengers Shield, you know the the, the yes. Marvel franchise right now is kind of how that that character is fashioned. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a blast to do those two characters. They couldn't be more diametrically opposed. Yeah, so uh, that, that is very <laughs> that is very interesting that you're playing both. And, and American Ranger uh, is a very different kind of character for you. Um, I, I I feel uh, and do you get to do you guys all get to record in the same room at the same time or is this piecemeal? No, it's very piecemeal. It's 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 super piecemeal. But the the but one of the creators, um, uh, uh, Zeb Wells, he's he he voices some of the voices on the show, and um, so <clears throat> they always really when you're when you're reading with them in the booth, even though they're on the other side of the controls, they're really fantastic at giving you giving you as much as they can in regard to a uh, character to play off of, which is really really appreciative because not not everybody does that. Sometimes it's very 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 piecemeal. Where someone just goes, and then just go ahead and say the line and give me three. Okay, that's good. That line's done. Three more of these. Whereas if I if I really if you need it to be ramped up for you, they'll read the other side for you. They'll always give you the context, and it's it's super helpful. Did you know? Are there moments though you wish you were like in the room facing down against Brian Cranston? Oh God, always. I, I just I, I always I, I, the worst is when they tell you that Cranston was there an hour ago. Don't, don't tell me. Just don't tell me. Just don't tell me he was there an hour ago, and then I'll be fine. You know what I mean? I was like, maybe we could just do a dual record, or you know, that's that's what you're always wishing for. Is they'll go, you know what? Everything's packed up. They've got too much robot chicken stuff going on. Could you come in and do the record with Brian? Yes, yes, I'll be there. <laughs> so, you know. Show up early with donuts. <laughs> exactly right, and coffee. Well, yeah, and for this. For these kinds of roles, you know, what is the key to getting into character for do you do you like have the puppet with you? Do you, you get to stare at the doll or to get into the character's American Ranger? Yeah, for me, to be honest with you, that's really how it works for me is to be able to look at the, that's looking at the original sketches and the first mock-ups of the doll were so helpful to kind of get to kind of get a sense of how he sounded. Now, the the uh, the original voice that we had to modulate down was it was you know very much Dudley Do Right. He was a little too mm-hmm. Dudley Do Right, and so even though everybody really enjoyed the voice, we were all giggling at it. It was like it's it's not right for the character. He's got to be a little more. Um, he's got to be a, a little more original. Nick Fury, you know, from the Shield comics from the late sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. So um, so you know we we got out of that vibrato. You know that kind of I was doing like a high pitched Ted Knight in the justice league thing. Yes. and we just kind of pulled it down and got a little a little more grasp in it but a little more you know just a little a little more um george reeves if for, for lack of a better term if that makes any sense no that does that does uh, do you do you like go back and read some of the agents of shield or the nick fury agent of shield i i have it in a while and and it's funny because when you I, it has it's been quite a long time since i've seen those those old titles my uncle loved those titles so when i was a little kid I used to go thumb through all of his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Nick Fury comics, and then even the older ones, the Sergeant Fury comics, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. before 
Shield had come into being, in, right. in a, you know, when, it, when Shield was kind of a, a nascent agency, or he was still a soldier, a grunt in the army, which is amazing. I'd love to see some of those old comics. But it's interesting. The further you get into the Nick Fury stuff, the more some of those artists were really. It was very avant-garde in a way. Some of the stuff was in the late '60s that they did, especially in that title, was really cool. The way they, they would manipulate panels and do psychedelic stuff in the background. Well, yeah, they I, I have to confess that right now, uh, Rick has the Nick Fury Agent of Shield omnibus on the table right next to him. It's prepared for an art, uh, something we're doing later. I'm in the not show. kidding. So, oh really? Oh, is it really? <laughs> no, it's just one of his it's favorite every, books. Every you're book talking about Storanko. I think he's bought every possible combination of those original books I have, together I have. Uh, you know so marvel has uh made at least a thousand dollars off of him alone just collecting this oh, i hope it's just a thousand just this just just this just this title just this one title just yes that one title just that one title <coughs> so every time they release a new trade paperback version in 3d or something you know he's bought it so uh, what's your favorite medium to work in you've done i mean obviously you have the sketch show television mm-hmm. uh You've done some radio. I, I heard you You got to be a guest on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yeah, I did. I got to do it three times, which was really, really a lot of fun. I really, it was a lot of fun to do and be able to spend time with those amazingly clever people because I don't confess to be or, 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 or pretend to be, you know, a quipster, if you will. But the people, when you think of someone like on that show, the big rock stars, really, you think of Ramo Rock and Paula Poundstone, mm-hmm. who also, of course, their, their reputations precede them. They were, you know, they had fame from other things prior to that. But so many names on that show, Roy, uh, Roy oh, God, I, Tom Bodette and all those guys and Amy Dickens, they're, they're so, so raw and quick that, to be quite honest, I felt out of my element. And, um, and so uh, uh, the fact that I wasn't asked to do more was kind of a big fat relief. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, it was just like I'm not smart as people you. So it was just, um, it, but it was really a, a, I, I enjoy the show so much that it was a lot of fun to do. So I I, I, I cherish the experience that I had. You know, it was good. Good, and then you've also played on the Thrilling Adventure Hour from time to time, and uh, yeah, and you did live improv and and movie roles. So the question is, you know. We, which helps you get most into character? Which is the one that you just love doing the most? The, 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 the medium that I enjoy the most, actually, is the, the one you didn't mention, which is the theater. Um, wow. Because that's where I made my bones. And, and right. I miss that's it. That's what the Masters uh, is in, yes. I miss it so very much, to be quite honest with you. It's, it's, I, I wish I wasn't as much of an instant gratification person. I wish I was a little higher on, on the, on the um, self-actualization triangle. <laughs> I wish it was, you know, but, 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 um, uh, I think that's, I think we're all, a lot of us are struggling with that, you know? Mm -hmm, So to mm -hmm. get instant gratification, I would say of the mediums you mentioned, it would be improv because that's happening in front of a live audience. And it's such a, such a shared experience, which is not to say theater is not theater can be, I think the most transcendent experience. And I haven't just, I haven't had the opportunity to do it in quite some time. We've been in this real, a real forward momentum with being on screen, whether it be the silver screen or the small screen. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but, but I get to improvise when I get to improvise, it, it really is a thrill for me, but it's time. It, it really, I feel like it's time to get back to the theater. That's the big thing for me is to get on a stage with another actor. Cause it's the easiest you get the, the way I should like to say it is you get to be in character for the longest period of time, mm-hmm. because if you, it, it could take you a few days of shooting to equal the amount of time that you would be on a stage, and uh, and and of course, the, nothing, none of it's none of it's congruent. You know what I mean? You're right. always in a position where um, you it's a different challenge to to have that moment where you have to stop, start over again, think about where the mark is, but all still still have your intentions intact. It's really it's a you know it's a juggling act when you're on camera, but in the theater, 
Um, it, I mean, the fact that a person would get even a month. When I, when I was in the theater, when I was in school and doing theater back home in Detroit, it was amazing because what would happen is you'd go, guys, we only have three weeks to rehearse this thing. We only have a month to rehearse this thing. A month? A month is an eternity. <laughs> an eternity if you're making a, a movie or a television show. So if you could call a producer or, say, call up the Geffen down in L.A., uh, yeah. what you know is there a set role you'd like to be or would you prefer to like create something on your own you know, that's never been done before, stage-wise? You know, I, uh, I, I, I really, because even, even in, a, in a play that's maybe well-worn, well you'd still be hope, hopefully bringing your interpretation to it, you know, something like Hamlet or, or anything like that. And, and, or, but um, um, there are plays that I love. I love Martin McDonough plays. Martin McDonough did, yeah. um, you know, Seven Psychopaths, the film. Mm-hmm. And, and, but he wrote a, a bunch of great plays about the Aran Islands in Ireland that I love. There's the Lieutenant of Inishmore and the Cripple of Inishman. The Queen, Dancing Queen of Linane. Dancing Queen of Linane, yeah. It's, um, and, and, and so those plays, which are, I think, wickedly funny and brutally violent, they're so fantastic. I, I just, um, I really, really, really enjoy his work. And then um, I just saw a very good friend of mine on Broadway in uh, a preview of, um, uh, of Fool for Love by Sam Shepard. I'd mm-hmm. love to do Sam Shepard play. That would be amazing. And um, I've never, I've done one musical, really, to think of. I've done one musical in my life. And that was, it was a musical comedy. And it was a blast. It might have been the most fun I've ever had on stage, counting all of the improv shows I did. And, and, and which musical it, was it? Yeah, what's that? Which musical was it? It was a musical. It was a, written by two friends of mine, and, and um, I didn't originate the role, but uh, it was a really fantastic play. Uh, play called uh, "The People versus Friar Lawrence: Colon The Man Who Killed Romeo and Juliet," and it's a whole huh. musical comedy from the point of view of Friar Lawrence. It's Friar Lawrence from. Romeo and Juliet yeah. trying to explain to the prince, like to plead his case as to why this whole thing wasn't his fault. And the prince is like, wasn't your fault. You gave two teenagers speedballs and helped them elope. Like, <laughs> this is how- like a high school project after you've read Romeo and Juliet, you know, I, yes, cause like- I used to teach it. That would be the kind of thing like, pick somebody who was guilty for their death and, and defend them and defend them. Exactly. Oh, that's a really good idea. That'd be an amazing, that's, it's pretty much, that's the, what you just said is the exercise that the creator, the, the, the guy the, who wrote the libretto, you know what I mean? This is what mm-hmm. he wanted it to be. And so it, um, it was, I did that, gosh, I did that 11 years ago and it was just, um, it was, it was a fantastic experience. I used to go to work like two hours early cause I just wanted to be there. <laughs> so that's great. It was great. So as you have mentioned, this has been uh, your career is on a, a rocket trajectory right now, uh, and you did uh, end what was I think the best sketch show of the 21st century, uh, Key and Peele, and both of you are getting a lot of work outside of, of this duo. Um, what do you think it's about um, about the teaming of you guys that that you know feeds you creatively that you're not going to get from something else? That I'm not going to get. Well, you know, I'm giving you a chance to shout out to Jordan. You know, is like, because I, I, I almost. What was unique about that? I was, I was thinking of you guys like Morecambe and Wise because what I'm really disappointed in this Halloween is that I don't have a Key and Peel Halloween special. Right. <laughs> right <laughs> and so right, right, right. could five years from now, could you guys come back together and do one? And, well, you know, do you see that happening? It, I, it'll probably, it'll probably be two, be two years from now <laughs> or three years from now. You heard it um, here first, people. Yeah, I think that I think that 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 really that Jordan is the best sketch writer. He may be the best sketch writer I've ever encountered, really. 
he's completely and utterly dedicated himself to this craft and now is you know spreading his wings to do things like features like we just finished our feature which is going to come out next year and uh, a Keen Peel feature and I just awesome. I just it's it's amazing to be with him it's like being able to say oh I'm one of those people who was not only alive but a conscious considerate adult when Michael Jordan was playing basketball but it's not it's not even that. It's the fact that I get to be. It's not even. I wasn't even at the games. I I got to be Scottie Pippen. That's the best part. Hmm. And and so um, that's the thing I'm going to miss. I mean, it's a really actually kind of blunt and simple answer. The simple and blunt answer is that I just don't see anybody that's better than him. It's just not. A, it's just not a thing. It, it, and people are fantastic. I love comedy, and and it's and, and the breadth of comedy is, is huge. But um, my partner is exceptional. He's just exceptional. And so it's 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 that of course is something I'm going to miss. But, you know, we're going to continue to work together. And so there's no there's no concern there. It's just, you know, exploring other mediums and how we're going to work together as producers and projects that we're not going to act in. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do projects that we might be peripherally involved in producerially, but are going to act in. See what that feels like. It's just a lot of a lot of things on both of our bucket lists. Yeah. And some of the things are solo and some of the things include each other. Great. I mean, speaking of the bucket list, I mean, what would be next on the hurdle? You've You've done so much in the last few years and achieved things that, you know, did well, you ever think that this was going to happen for you? I did. Never, never. I, I, I just assumed that I would at one point in time. It's funny. I'm doing now in my I'm doing very soon, hopefully transitioning in a way that that will work. I hope it works. <laughs> um, this uh, 12 years ago when I was in Chicago before before uh, I auditioned for Mad TV. I remember thinking to my wife, I think maybe I have one or two more reviews left in me, and then I'm going to go over it and try to audition for The Steppenwolf and The Goodman and try to do some more dramatic work, which is what I was trained in. I was mm-hmm. never trained to do comedy. And and so um, then we just – it's funny that you would ask me this today because literally having a conversation with my manager, who is also Jordan's manager, today he said, I think it's time for us to figure out – what's the movie next year or what's the movie in the next year and a half that, that you're going to be in that's strictly dramatic, not mm. comedic at all. I'm so and, looking forward yeah, to it. And, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and, and that is, and I said, that's good. Let's, let's start working on that. And I've been doing projects, hopefully the, the way I've, I've been mindful of picking projects that are moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. So um, do, you know, so do a dramedy here. And I just finished shooting a movie that is a comedy I'm sorry. I just finished shooting a movie that is a drama about comedy. So, it, you know, I, I can't, it can't get much more tra- uh, transitional than that. <laughs> yeah. So that's really my dream. I, I mean, what my career has what my career has been is a, a guy who left graduate school and then decided to do an independent film instead of the Illinois Shakespeare Festival. And then I ended up taking an 18 year detour into sketch comedy. And it's just one of those, you know, the, the old adage, um, I don't know, you know, this is a, a spiritual adage, but an adage nonetheless. <laughs> um, the, the old adage is, you know, how do you make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Because the universe <laughs> is just going to do what it's going to do. And yes. um, yeah. And so I, I followed a particular path that if you had asked me three years or four years, four years prior to that, I would have said, what are you talking about? That's not what I'm going to do. How did you shield your plans from God? <laughs> no, I you know I uh, that's the the yeah yeah it's um you the have tin good tinfoil has on the Na- the, the tinfoil hat that Nathan's wearing right now is the is the God blocking hat. <laughs> I wonder if he knows that. Nate, I need that. Uh, Got it. <laughs> okay, um, so uh, I have one last question since it is Back to the Future Day. Uh, what would 
What do you wish that Back to the Future had gotten? What are you missing that that movie predicted that isn't here for you today? I want that. I want those those skateboards. The, the, hoverboard, the, hover, the hoverboards. The hoverboards. Like, it feels like we should – it does feel like maybe we'd be able to have that figured out. Like, we've got hovercrafts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So – But oh holograms are so much better than Jaws 19. I, <laughs> yeah, it was not – definitely not. We refined some hover. technology much better. Rick, <laughs> do you have a question? I just have one more question after that. We, we heard you recently uh, purchased a brand-new toy. That's right. Sorry, I didn't make that note. Yes, you did. this oh. is the mark of success. This is how you knew, right? Yes. I mean, well, speaking of Back to the Future Day, I didn't know. Well, I didn't know that these would exist when Back to the Future came out. But yeah, I just recently, just recently bought a Tesla, and I'm extremely excited about it. I've had it for I think I've had it now for a week. I think a, a, or or a week and two days, something like that. And it is. It's literally like driving an enormous iPhone with wheels. There's no. It's crazy. There's no buttons in it. That Everything doesn't stop being screen. funny to me. <laughs> What's that? It doesn't stop being funny to me as a comparison, but I'm sure That's it's right. accurate. <laughs> 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 it is. I mean, it, it does everything. You know how, like nowadays, we look at phones. I mean, when's the, I think to myself, how often do I actually talk on my phone? But because I'm in my 40s, I'm a person who actually uses cell phones as phones. And um, mm. uh, in my car, it, it, like to me, being able to talk in the car hands free is still a big luxury. You know, I just go, that's amazing. So that it, um, as opposed to all the other stuff. And the other thing is, get, having an app on your phone that says, "There's a software update. What time do you want the software update to happen?" software update for the car you know what i mean and it's just like a computer where you the, the car the interface in the car looks looks one way you get up in the morning get in your car and the interface has changed <laughs> it's just like just like your your you know your your um just like OS the steering 10. wheel change where it is and because that's right, what exactly. i hate when now you get you know, we've now added an english feature and that you're writing on the right side of the car so it's, <laughs> <laughs> so like, all right don't see how i'm gonna get used to this but okay here we go um no, it's really quite and it's a marvel and uh, elon musk is Quite an impressive guy. Did you get the self-driving thing pushed down to you yet? I didn't. I, um, I have the hardware in the car, but I am scared to death to have it installed. Okay. I'm, I'm so afraid of having it installed. It's not the car. It's the other people, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's the other people. Because the car can only protect you so much. It's it's It might be autopilot, but it's not idiot-proof. That's the thing. You know what I mean? It would have to have <laughs> airbags on the outside of it. You know? We keep building better idiots. Yeah. 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 Was, right. it's, it's been a lot of fun though it's been a great i've never had a new car it's a it's so it's my first new car and i felt like you know it was well worth the wait to be honest with you. oh this just turned in to a tesla commercial <laughs> that's all right that's all right so uh people please donate to uh paypal on the fanboy planet site so we too can afford teslas uh, three so. of them so you need to put a lot of money <laughs> a lot it, it didn't work on the spider-man turn off the dark broadway tour so i don't think it's gonna work for the tesla but anyway we are so thankful that you were able to make it tonight keegan and thank you so much for coming on the fanboy planet podcast and we are looking forward to your dramatic movie to everything that's coming yep, in the future. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Looking forward to your comedy movie that's coming next year that I'm not allowed to talk about, but you probably are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um, we, we've discussed it. I mean, it's a movie. It's it's called Keanu, and Jordan wrote it with one of the writers from Key and Peele. His name is um, a, um, Alex Rubens, and they wrote an amazing script. And we just went through. We're, we're in the editing phase right now, and I think it's going to go to preview audiences pretty soon. So we're we're getting close. We're getting really close. It'll come out sometime in 2016, and. Um, it's uh I think I think to, just just to be safe I think that's all I can tell you is the name of it we understand 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I might even tell you more, but I don't feel I don't feel confident about my. No, no, don't. Intel. We don't want to get you in trouble. I, you know, I, are those sniper rifles right outside your room, Rick? No, that's, those are just okay. That's, that's just, that's just, those are just owls. Bats. Those all are, right, so all right. Well, <laughs> again, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. and uh, once again, it's Super Mansion on Crackle, which goes every Thursday night. A new episode goes up. Is that? I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm enjoying that show very, very much. So you're welcome to hang out if you want. But <laughs> we're going to talk nerd stuff. If you, you know, if you want to hang out and talk comics, uh, you can. But you know, I, we understand. I wish that I could. I so, so wish that I could. But um, but your Tesla's calling the you. Star right Wars now, trailer again. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Tonight. It was an honor. Thank you. Thank you. And now we shall talk about comics news, uh, which is, this is a week where there has been so much controversy in the nerd world um, that, uh, you know, a few weeks ago we talked about there was some concern over Star Wars Aftermath, the novel, when we had Drew Campbell on talking mm-hmm. about criticism. Yeah. And now uh, Fox News is angry at Captain America Sam Wilson. I love it. Do you? They are. Yes, whatever could they be upset about? Because apparently in the first issue of Captain America, Sam Wilson, which, by the way, I have not read. Did either of you guys pick that up? No, I did not. No. Uh, That that, uh, he takes on the Sons of the Serpent, who is a longstanding racist... and White supremacist organization and from the sixties, Captain America villain, long-standing villain right group. With uh, they were originally led by the hate monger who was yeah. revealed to be Hitler, Hitler. Uh, created by Jack Kirby and Stanley. Actually, yeah, he was. It was. But an, I think he it was, was an agent of Shield that he was revealed to be Hitler. It was. All, I thought he was. He might have been revealed to be Nixon at one point in a in Kirby's run. I'm not kidding. I think that there. I think it, he he was in, revealed to look like something like Nixon. Yes. Okay. Just sort of like that that Don Rickles look alike. But anyway, well, and, it's, and, we're talking like the, we're talking uh, almost like fifty wiz- years. There was ev- a set of evil wizards and and man thing. Giant sized man thing had uh, Hitler. No, uh, it had Nixon. Nixon. Yeah, sure. Nixon appeared everywhere. Yeah, uh, but. <laughs> you got enthusiastic being nerdy when we we're talking about uh no I let's know, talk I about know. actual real i, I know but i'm buoyant because I'm you want to say because you don't want to talk about real world racism no, and this is what it don't. is so they're mad that apparently uh this means that uh captain america is now anti-conservative because the sons of the serpent are standing against uh are standing on the border uh between the u.s and mexico trying to keep illegal immigrants out really and so uh, did you not know that this was what the controversy is no uh, so yeah, they brought this up and they said that Mar- that Captain America is you know is un-American. I believe they used that phrase. Of course he is. Now if I said that wrong, because uh, you know if I'm misquoting oh, or mischaracterizing Fox News, yeah. heaven forbid, please write in politely, correct me. But uh, from everything that I've read, this is what the issue is, and it is one: they're not comics fans, so that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, if you if you feel that, this is my my thing, if you feel that this portrayal of racists resembles you, then maybe it's not you're a racist. <laughs> it might not be the comics. Now I'm not saying there are many Did you do that in a Jeff Dunham style? <laughs> maybe you don't mean you mean Jeff Foxworthy or Foxworthy, Jeff Dunham. Father, Jeff Foxworthy. Foxworthy. You might be a racist. Uh but <laughs> what I really think is uh there may be, though I have not been swayed by these arguments, there may be legitimate reasons that people are uh, standing at the border. 
um, that they people may not see themselves as racist. I understand that. I appreciate right. that. But if you look at a comic book, you see Captain America fighting guys dressed as serpents uh, in hoods. With a history. And you feel that's you. You might be. You might be a racist. And, <laughs> and you may not be smarter than a fifth grader. Uh, <laughs> now do it as Jeff Dunham. Uh, I can't. You know why? Because I think Jeff Dunham's comedy is kind of racist. I can't do it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, anyway. Uh, so, that's just odd to me. And, but it, on the other hand, it gave Captain America, Sam Wilson, number one, a lot more media play yeah. than it would have otherwise. I may go back to the store later and pick up a copy. I kind of wish I had done that today. And I should I, I should have and I didn't do it. And I... And, that's my protest. I, I, I should have given Marvel $3.99 more for that first issue. My stack was two inches thick today. I did not really want to look that I would, I would like down. I would like comic shops to start selling by the by inch. The inch. <laughs> sort of like a subway shop, you know? That would blow the value on uh, collected editions, though. Okay, they can weigh them. It's okay. like a weigh the weigh the you know, right. just like a deli. Here yeah. you go, yeah. boom. Because that omnibus, hey, get your thumb off the that thing. omnibus would have totally blown your it budget this week. Would have. Not that it was cheap in the first place. So anyway, um, I'm going to throw that one out there. We've made national news. Nerds are making national news. Nerd culture is making national news all the time. And we'll get back there as well a little later. Um, Boom Studios has announced, and I unfortunately have not found out all the reasons, but they are reducing their production slate. So one publisher is trying to help us with how much we're spending (laughs) each week. Uh, But uh, I don't know all the reasons. They've been doing a lot of – they've been doing a lot of expansion. I think that may be it. It's sort of like I I noted as – It's time for a contraction. Well, no, just there's so much – out there, right. and I, I was talking about this with at, at, at Elusive Comics and Games today with uh, Steve. How many? You know, they've got like a hundred. They have to make a hundred and fifty uh, minimum a week. Little signs that say sold out of what specific book? Yeah, and we talked about it a few weeks ago when Diamond had had a breakdown and and books were being delayed to the San Francisco Bay Area. That I, I talked to the guy at, at, at Comics Conspiracy, and he said. You know, it used to be that you could get it all processed on Wednesday morning and up on the shelf because you had maybe thirty or forty books a week. But right. it takes it. But you know, when you're talking a hundred and sixty, uh, hundred fifty, hundred and sixty, five variant covers on three of them, uh, and you know, it, it's just it's so much work. So you know, if one one publisher is saying, "Look, we've got a wide variety of books," they're still pushing comics forward as Ross Ritchie had said uh, months ago you know it's still there they're doing a very diverse line like images like Oni is like Dark Horse is doing you know all these great publishers if you're not into superheroes I'm noting Marvel's trying you know they're all trying but they're still they're still largely superheroes you know yeah. but, but if they're doing this diverse line and contracting a little bit well okay that, yeah. I mean you know I would rather buy a book I'd instead rather get of, something different from instead a different of instead too. of miss a book right. have to decide I don't want to do that I I don't know there may be other reasons because I but I do think that Boom is doing very well um, it, it just may be it may be a smaller infrastructure than than they were able to handle you know yeah uh, so uh, I'm okay with that let's talk about we've taunted with this uh, we taunted Keegan Michael Key with this the good lord the shield that is complete two collection 
yeah. Stanley, Jack Kirby, Jim Steranko. That's who Keegan was referring to with the really uh, for- forward out there kind of art. Uh, you've got this $100 omnibus, although it's called a complete collection. They didn't call it an omnibus, did they? No, it is. I'm sorry. On the, it on says the omnibus on the spine. That's their series, yes. It is S.H.I.E.L.D., the complete collection. And, and just it is, to be isn't it? geeky about it, Strange Tales 135 through 168, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. 1 through 15, Fantastic Four 21, Tales of, from, Tales of Suspense 78, The Avengers 72, and Marvel Spotlight 31. Now let me go through that. So 135 through 168 of Strange Tales was the original run in a book that it was shared with uh, Doctor Strange mm-hmm. mostly. And then the Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. 1 through 15 was spotlighted Steranko. He basically defined how that book was going to look, but he shared it with like Dick Ayers and uh, mm-hmm. Barry Smith. Again, all that information available in Marvel Comics, The Untold Story by Sean Howe. Then we have Fantastic 421. I, do, I still don't remember what story is in that. I haven't gone through to find it. Tales, from, Tales of Suspense 78. Then we have Avengers 72, which was the conclusion to the Who is Scorpio. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. well, isn't Fantastic Four 21, isn't that the one that revealed that uh, Reed and Nick Fury had fought together in World War II? Could be. Could be. Probably like a flashback, and then yeah. now they're seeing... Loud. And then, you remember what's in Marvel Spotlight 31? Uh, if it's not Doc Savage, I don't know. No, it's, it's, I'll tell you, it's written, written and drawn. I think it's at least drawn by Howard Jacobs. Okay. It's the uh, the Infinity Formula. Oh, okay. The one that describes and tells why he doesn't get older, oh. which they worked into um, uh, what's the original Sin storyline. Yes, yes, it is. So, so this is more complete than any collection's been before by virtue of the Fantastic Four. Otherwise, you could have gotten this collected in three now very pricey um, Marvel, Masterworks, Marvel editions. Masterworks editions. Uh, that split up the Strange Tales stuff into two volumes. And didn't have the Fantastic Four 21. Did not have This is actually the first truly complete collection. Right. So, uh, you know, that's... Rick's a happy boy. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk. Let's... uh, We have a special message for Nate Costa. Okay, because today also marked the release of... And I have two copies in my bag because Rick was kind enough to go pick them up for me. uh, Of... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Amazing Adventures number three with a story written and drawn by a brother of podcast announcer Nate Costa, Ben Costa. Uh, And Rick went down to Hijinks Comics where Ben was signing today. Ben, also known for Ricky Stitch and the Gelatinous Goo. And, and of course, Pong the Wandering Monk. Right. So... uh, did he have Did he have the hard covers over there? Was he, he was signing? selling all the hard covers there and uh, a soft cover variant that I've forgotten the title of. I think I've got it digitally from one of the one of the Kickstarters. So had. anyway, we have a message. Apparently, Rick is relaying a message to you. Oh Nate. God, Nate, <laughs> are you going to come home for Thanksgiving or Christmas? No, after. Okay. Okay. Well, glad we could be that go between. And uh, <laughs> he, he texted me that earlier, too, and I, I responded to him. <laughs> you know, Rick was saying, if it was his brothers, there'd be a lot of smack talk. And I said, really? For Ben, that is smack talk. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, we want to say, people, if you have not picked up uh, that, uh, that's... And that's, it's, it's a... Um, I think two it's, covers, yeah. I think it's a Michelangelo story. It's Michelangelo and a... Um, uh, I've forgotten the name of the frog. Uh 
Napoleon. Napoleon Bonafrog. Bonafrog, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I read it. It's it's a cute little. It's a very very family friendly. Uh, to be read in the voice of Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite or Napoleon? That makes sense now. Or Napoleon Bonafrog? No, it does make sense. No, Dynamite. Oh, now that okay. makes a lot of sense. I will have to try that later. Yeah. See if that goes. Uh, I got what, a copy signed for Luke as well, so maybe Luke will ask me. And he, what does he, he sound did like? Little drawings. Oh, that's very Yours nice. has a Donatello drawing in it, and Luke's ha- no, Luke's. Has no, a- don't ruin the surprise for oh, me. Oh my! My God! Spoilers. <laughs> it's like December twenty third. You take out all the presents, show your family, then and then I'm put not them away. Tell you your drawing. I don't want to know. You already did. You said it, but Luke's is. No, yeah. Luke's is. No, I okay. didn't tell you yours. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is uh, this is very exciting. And the thing is, you know, Nate. Honestly, I'm sure that Luke is more excited that. Uh, he's got a book signed by your brother in those terms, <laughs> Nate's brother, <laughs> than he does about Ben himself. So, you know, be honored. I, I, <laughs> I know that, you know, uh, so. My fro- my drawing was Napoleon Bonafrog. Okay, so there. That you can tell us. That's fine. Yeah. Yeesh. All right. So, uh, it is then time to uh, play the game, <laughs> do the section of the podcast we call... What's in the bag? What's in the bag? Indeed. This is the time where we kind of talk about uh, comics that have come out this today that we uh, either recommend because we read them and know that they're of high quality, or we're, uh, we're just saying, oh, this looked interesting, or sometimes it is, oh, my God, we read this. Please let us save you three ninety nine, or seven ninety nine, or not tonight, of course, $99.99. So, uh, Nate, what would be first in your stack tonight? First in my stack would be Big Trouble in Little China 17. I can't believe Keegan-Michael Key passed on this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Just had to say it. Just had to say it. All right, good. That's it. I I believe it's still written by Fred Van Lenty. Lenty, however he wants to say that. You know, you're right. I don't know. My stack's the other way. I don't think I've met him. Uh, so I don't know. Not that that's a guarantee of learning how to pronounce their names, but you know, I right. often ask that question. How do yeah, I say your name? if it's a name like that, how do I say your name so I don't mess it up in this uh, interview? Yeah, yeah. So it's still great in its quality, and you're enjoying this book. Yeah, good. I may enjoy it more with the new writing team. Interesting. I don't even know if it's a team. I don't know if it's just him. Interesting. I mean, I enjoyed it before, but. It took a turn when but he jumped on the book. You really and I liked that it. new energy. I think you mentioned that a month ago. So yeah. that's that's great that it's staying up. Rick, next on yours. The first book that I have is uh, is another. Star, it's marked as a Star Wars as Star Wars Secret Wars book from Marvel that I was not expecting at all. And when it leapt off the shelf at me, I uh, squealed with light because it's Agents of Atlas number one. I almost picked that up, and then I was mad that it was Secret Wars. Yeah, well, I'll take it anyway. They'll give it to me. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's a it's a and, and inside it's it's amazingly beautifully drawn. I love so. Agents of Atlas, and you know what? I would love I would love them to put that to television. Wouldn't I mean, you love to see? Just look at yeah. Uh, who's the writer on this? It was somebody? Oh, somebody I didn't know because I do miss that Jeff Parker, who did the such a great work on Batman sixty six, recently is the guy who had uh, done Agents of Atlas originally. And I loved those books. Again, loved, kind loved, of, loved it's Ages kind of, of a lost it's the 1950s Avengers, the 1950s, because it's actually um, it's a what if. 
It's yeah. one of the few what ifs from the original run that was like this might have happened. He took this what if, what if the Avengers had been formed in the 1950s, and he took that which had been considered out of continuity, and then justified how it fit in continuity. You have Gorilla Man, you have 3D Man, you have Agent Jimmy Woo. Jimmy Woo. Uh, you have the uh, is it Nemora? Nemora. Nemora. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, Venus. Yes. Yes. V- Venus. Um, this has always struck me as the Marvel book that has a closest tie to DC's sensitiv- sensitivities and sensibilities. And that may be why I enjoyed it so yeah. much when it first happened. And wouldn't that be a great television mid-season replacement oh, yeah. for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Jeez. It was an Agents of Atlas. Yeah. Because uh, you could do Gorilla Man. You've already got Grodd. You've got Grodd. You could, you've, you've proven you can do Grodd. Put, put Gorilla Man in a suit and you've got... Yes. Good times. All right. Uh, my my first book would be one I talked about was Karnak. Yeah. Um, again, not positive this is going to be a great it's Warren ongoing Ellis, right? book. It's Warren Ellis writing. Interesting art from a guy named uh, Zafino is his last last name. Uh, Gerardo Zafino. Um, and Karnak is exactly as I suspected a, t- a t- typical kind of Ellis misanthrope, mm-hmm. but talk about an interesting viewpoint into uh, the, the, the inhuman mindset. Yeah, but it's not about the inhumans; it's about how he's on retainer with Shield after uh, the uh, the Infinity crossover that you know that brought that basically brought all inhumanity that right, caused, right, that right, caused right. the big Terrigen mist thing. Right. That's the big deal on Agents of Shield right now, um, and how he's the resource if they find. People. But on, on Agents of Shield, it's the Terrigen fish. That's right. I'm sorry, it's Terrigen <laughs> fish, because they read too much Douglas Adams. Uh, it is indeed uh, here that the mist was released uh, when someone's activated. There basically it comes out. Coulson calls Karnak, uh. and and so and Karnak's the viewpoint. This is so misanthropic. It's like because he can see the flaw right. in all things, nothing holds any meaning to him whatsoever except for his philosophical bent and his understanding that he must serve the inhumans. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's basically like, a, he's a bounty hunter essentially for S.H.I.E.L.D. for lost inhumans, yeah. people that have been transformed, and he charges dearly. And his price is almost too high. So it's a fascinating... I could see six issues. I'm going to be like eating this up. I just don't know how long that go. character yeah, could yeah. be interesting to me. Which is, I suspect, a lot of these really are. It's just like there was that announcement of Black Knight today. It's like Black Knight's probably six issues. But I, you know, and DC at least had the kindness to say with some of their relaunches, yeah, they're only going to be miniseries. Yeah, unless they, unless they sell really well. This might sell really well. It's fascinating literature. Yeah, you never know with Ellis. You, you just never know. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's very interesting. Cover's so. kind of interesting. I, every time I look at the cover, I think, where are my 3D glasses? Yeah. You know, because there's kind of red-green separation going on there, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's mine. Uh, Nate, next for you. Shockingly enough, a Robert Kirkman title, Invincible 124. Oh. Invincible. Where our hero, this Invincible. is actually the first part of a three-part storyline is about to begin mm-hmm. but uh invincible three issue by part or three, three, three issue yeah okay um he's off planet off earth not living on earth anymore because of the dastardly takeover by a robot 
Okay, not too many spoilers. I'm I'm reading the the. Oh, how far one. along are you, Rick? Uh, it's like Walking Dead. He far. knows that Invincible is invincible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is, understands why there's an eye on his chest. I think this is one of those. <laughs> excuse me. I think this is one of those. Um, one of those weird books where now is Kirkman still writing it? Yes. And it, probably Kirkman's most still writing it, and I think they're doing the saga model where they're going to take breaks. They're going to do six issues, breaks, okay. six issues, breaks. Yeah, he did say that up. right a few months ago. But yeah. it, most, I think, probably the most of his fans in Walking Dead probably are not aware of this book, and then what a good general story the man can write. You know that that he can go. He he's not a zombie writer. He he's he can. He can spin a web of a story. And yet he did not write a great Spider-Man. No. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I almost disagree with that. I, I, I mean, I think there are people that are only reading Kirkman because of you're only reading Walking Dead. Right. But, I, you know, and I, and I think mo- those people that aren't aware of, of Invincible are and, and Outcast right. and Thief of Thieves are people that are only interested in reading Walking Dead yeah, because they, they watch the show. They go in and they buy the trade the, the right the, in the droves. They they pick it up and they just don't they don't care. They don't pay any attention to who the writer or or right. Or right. Anchor is. It's, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're not listening to this podcast. Yeah. Maybe they should. We'll they absolutely them. should. Yes. What's next on your stack, Rick? Next on my stack, oddly enough. I'm just showing this so that I make sure that if I took it from you, I you know, you, I, I didn't want to. I've got spares. Go ahead. You can uh, take this, but no, you take that one because I have an extra. I have four in my hand, so if you uh, take. I had you take five. That one. I was ready, so you, you take know. that one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> number number two on my list, and it's thematic, is Agents of Shield because we have Dominic Fortune showing up in this. You know, this who was invented by Howard Chaykin. It all comes around. It's circ- circular, right? Um, and Dominic Fortune has been one of my favorite characters even before he was a Marvel character. Because when he was an Atlas character. Called the Scorpion. Scorpion. Yes. And I had my mother make me that vest. I had the... I, not, uh, you not, know, people, not the if, you Dominic, don't, if you don't know, if you can't see this figure... Uh, not, not the, not the again, Dominic Again, a lot Fortune. of tumblers just clicked into place. The, the, um, the Scorpion one, which, was a, which is a wide-lapeled uh deer yeah. skin with a red inside and and uh, double breasted uh, buttons and my mother when i showed her that i said boy i'd love to have one of those she made me one and i said it's supposed to have chain mail inside so you can use it as a weapon you're such an a-hole <laughs> <laughs> and then she put the chain mail in and, yeah, like, yeah. and then it chafed day. him and he didn't like it <laughs> and he complained and so we took him out back and shot him yeah um, I just I, I haven't, just I, haven't like I haven't opened this yet. I can't wait to see how. But you reminded me that I wanted to go back and buy. Now I I, I want to get that because I love Dominic Fortune yeah. too. But I, I didn't notice that because I haven't been up on Dominic Fortunov. And I need to pick up number ten because it was a Howard the Duck oh, story, yeah. Yeah. and apparently and restored the original Steve Gerber idea of where he came from because I had not realized. Somehow I, I just, you know how you read comics when you're a kid yeah. and the evolution of an idea, you start accepting what the latest thing is, is that the concept of Duck World was not Steve Gerber's. He wanted Howard to come basically from Duckburg and essentially be in the funny animal world of like Disney is where he came from. Right. But Marvel in the black and white magazine made it Duck World where everybody was a duck and then they put that in stone because of the movie. Yeah. 
uh, which is still better than Jonah Hex. And, uh, you know, I, I will I will defend that forever. Um, you know, and, and so apparently that agency, she, book agent shield number 10 restores the idea of what Gerber had intended. And that's slowly been going along with the regular Howard book. And that, okay. and, and that crossover here is like everything is respectful of Gerber. Including, I still love that idea. Chip Zdarsky says Howard the Duck in the Marvel Universe is a clone because Gerber put Howard and Beverly into witness protection in the Savage Dragon with the help of Eric Larson, Larson. friend of the program. And and yes, and Chip Zdarsky says, "I don't care. He's a clone. That's all right. You know, (laughs) that's who I'm writing." Explains a lot. It does. It does. No. What's your next one? My next one for you, Rick, would be we talked about this in Dark Horse Presents, so I picked it up because of that. Uh, the Rook, which was a book that I was not allowed to buy as a child because it was a Warren magazine, and, and the covers were, were always just a little bit too lurid. sexy. They were lurid, and my mother had control over my dollar bill. Her bodice is torn. Uh, you know, uh, no, she not your mother is sucking on the cover. <laughs> on the cover of the book, uh, I'm going to take a you, selfie of your, my face right that now, was, that and that's what mother, I'm going to tweet out. That was your mother out. looking mm-hmm. at the book, saying, "Her bodice is torn. You can't have that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, repeat that. Just a second. I'm going to make sure. I go. Okay. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'll be tweet. Oh, I got to do it square. Say that again. Your mother uh, said. Okay, I've got it. That's why I'm tweeting that photo out later. Anyway, uh, so the Rook. <laughs> anyway, a character that I really loved, and then, and then you, for my birthday, you gave me a novel called The Rook, which I initially right. put on my favorites list because I thought it was a novelization of this. Oh, I mean, you know, yeah, years yeah. ago, and uh, I know, and it is a similar concept. It is time traveling. Uh, no, it's not. It says on the back cover, it is. The Rook is. She's a time traveling secret agent, but uh, okay. but it's a she. Yeah, uh, and I haven't read it yet because there's so many other books I love to get through. But um, it's worth your time. I'm sure it is. But so many other books are worth my time. Uh, so I bought this. Stephen Grant, one I love, classic yeah, writer yeah. from the from yeah. the 70s Marvel, uh, who wrote Two Guns, uh, the movie that was adapted with uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, Denzel Washington. Yeah, uh, a Boom Studios book. Uh, and Paul Galassi, who was, of course, great on Master Kung Fu and Deathlock in the 70s. Yep. He's gotten a little elong- a little consistently elongated in his faces. It's interesting to me. I, But, you know, he has a long face. I have seen him. So, yeah. Why um, the long face? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so the... I feel like this is a good jumping on point. You didn't need to know anything about no, the past. No. It's still a confusing book, but it's also saying, I mean, it's, it's, it's a complicated plot. If Doctor Who was a cowboy who could travel in time in a rook-shaped chess piece, yes. that would be this book. It was a time machine. It, it, it's it's he a very... Running, he runs into family members. I haven't read that did, yet. Okay, this is very complicated. Yeah. So come back in a private conversation about this once you read because um I, the reason I would say is give into it is it's a four issue miniseries so it'll be a complete story where I'm sure everything will be explained. Yeah. And yes, he's running into family members or is it a family member? Mm. You know. So it's this has been a, a couple of weeks where the bootstrap paradox has been like huge in the zeitgeist. Like yeah, everywhere I turn started it, on Saturday. It, it's no, it started. Uh, it was started on the Flash. Uh, because of you know the question oh, yeah, of, yeah. of you know if Zoom if if the Reverse Flash never existed right, right, right. how could he confess? But we got the definition bootstrap. Yes, thanks to Doctor, Doctor Who, Who. Yeah. and then suddenly this is is there. So um, this is a beautiful book. I love I love Paul Galassi's art, and it's from Dark Horse three ninety nine number one. Uh, 
And it even says, there's a little symbol. I wonder what this means. It says Time Castle in the corner, a little logo beneath the beneath mm. the, the, the knight symbol of the Dark Horse. I wonder if that's perhaps the who people who own the trademark. Be, it might be who owns it. I thought, that does sound familiar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look while you, while Nate talks about his third book. I was going to say, if you look really hard on the internet, you can find all the Warren issues available for reading on a website. Which indeed we have mentioned before, but I should, I do want to point out at the back, and I was actually bitter about this. So you can go to www.therookcomics.com, read okay. the old ones. They have an app. You can play a Rook game, but it's only available on Android for now. They haven't released the iOS version. So I was going to download it. There's a time-traveling, gunslinging, monster-fighting video game that you can play on your mobile device. Sounds awesome. But it's only on Android. It's not yet on Apple. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Don't you hate when that... Oh, that never happens. Um, it's usually Apple first and then Android. So see, welcome I, to my world. You know what? Oh, dear. <laughs> a time-wasting distraction yeah. that I'm going to have to put off my satisfaction. to work tomorrow. I'm not. Okay. Oh my God! We just got forty-five thousand dollars in PayPal. Don't no, we did not, because this is not a live podcast. Anyway, uh, so Nate, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Yes. I thought I heard. And yeah, go ahead. we already discussed my brother's book, which would have been my third. Ah. Oh, I'm so sorry. So I won't say anything. So okay, it comes down to two books, one of which leads directly into our next conversation. Do either one of you have that book on your list? Uh, How can I know? Because our next conversation is clearly written. Oh, no, I did not put that. I did not put that book down. (laughs) No, I did not. All right, then I will say this book, which has the longest title of any comic book ever. Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Shattered Empire. Yeah, but not as long as every Fiona Apple album title. Okay, go ahead. Uh, everything about Star Wars is awesome. <laughs> and the best way to lead up to a movie in December would be to read a comic book that leads up to that movie. Because, you know, I was thinking about this. That's exactly how I led up to the very first one. Yeah. Because Carr D'Angelo just posted uh, you know, on Facebook the f- cover of the first issue when Darth Vader was green. And enter Luke Skywalker. Will he save the galaxy or destroy it? And I thought, yeah, that was how I got introduced. I knew it was coming. Yeah. But I bought that book. And I, just, I probably read that first issue into tatters. So. so Star Wars, the comic, came out before the movie? Three months before the movie came out. Who knew? Obviously you, because you were born then. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's true. The first three issues came out before the movie did. And so I was so dying to see the movie because it was like, well, one, I can hardly wait to see that big Starlighter character. Oh, yeah. It was that's crazy. Except the thing is, for years, I mean, that's where the big Starlighter scene was. Yeah. And because they were going off of an early script and some photo reference. So it's it's major in the first issue, you know, and then I was so disappointed. It, it, so it actually plays better in the comic book than it does in the movie when Biggs dies. Wow. Yeah. And you can wow. see on Fanboy Planet, we actually did a little bit of an interview with Howard Chaikin years ago about that because you, if you're going to talk about yeah. Chaikin, Chaikin did that, and he it, to him it's like just a job, and he thinks Star Wars ruined our culture, <laughs> and uh, you know, and he goes because I was too old, you know, I was already an adult, and uh, so anyway, he does talk about that, and you, and that 
interview has been converted over to the new 3.0 version of fanboyplanet.com. So you can find it by searching you on can, our site. By searching Actually, you can find the old stuff, too, by searching on our site. But yeah. that'll be in the new format. Who was the artist on the – when it came to a regular uh, comic book, it was – the flash artist um, Carmine Infantino, Infantino. Yeah. eventually eventually yeah. yeah that was that was probably my when i think of those books he's his style is what i think of eventually i, mean, yeah. I remember i remember the chaken books but uh, i fell away and i started and i would only come back in and read when al williamson did like the empire strikes back oh, yeah. adaptation and that was great yeah you know I'm sorry we hijacked your book again. No, no. Shattered Empire. don't have the book in hand, so I'm glad this led to a conversation. All the Al Williamson daily comic strips. Oh, that's right. Those two, I forgot. What's next in your stack, Rick? The last one in my stack is a book I've been waiting for for a while because I I collected and binged the book, the issues leading up to Justice League, the Dark Side Saga. I told you it was Dark Side War. Dark Side War, yeah. Awesome, Um, because that was the other book vying for notice it is now complete you can either wait for the trade paperback or there's not gonna be a trade paperback it's going to be a hardcover a deluxe and i just love the composition on this with mr miracle in the center and uh, wonder woman down at the bottom with two axes and then dark side up on the top and it's one of those things again i feel weird that we have gone through so many we're old enough as fans to have gone through so many tortured explanations for the timeline of the new gods yeah that's my only problem with this book it, it, I, and I love the dark, you know, because like when you get Jeff Johns writing a saga, you know, like yeah. his, his real yeah. big major storylines, when he hits, he hits hard and they're great. But it is like when this explanation for Mr. Miracle comes in and I'm like, but why did, what? You mean they haven't ever met him before? Yeah. That doesn't, no, I, no. They had adventures. <laughs> they had team ups. He was on, in the Justice League. He was League. at the wedding. I loved that book, you know. Yeah. And, and that's, He was and, in Europe. But, but I realize, you know, that's the thing is I have to accept. It's like, it's like right. when you read novels from, from the comic books, like, you know, in the 70s when those Marvel ones first came out and you go. Right. And that was the first time I realized, oh, that continuity isn't the same. They're picking and choosing. Right. Because they got to make it work as a book. And it's the same thing that happens now in the new Fifty Two, as happened post Final Crisis, as happened post you know Crisis on Multiple. It was something we got used to uh, when we were watching manga when they first came out. So you'd you'd see like uh, Star. You mean uh, watching anime, anime based on anime. manga. Yeah, anime uh, like uh, Star Cruiser Yamato, mm-hmm. and the TV show was different. Battle, the movies, Battle Cruiser, Battle Cruiser Yamo, Yamamoto, Yamamoto, and, and it's Star Blazers, Star Blazers, and not just because it was translated, but there were actually different stories. And each one of the movies right. would have people, you know, somebody would die in one movie, and the next movie they're back, and you know, it's like well, it's like Michelle said, uh, you know, uh, re- reviewed Attack on Titan, the live action film, and said yeah. it's so wildly different yeah. from either the manga or the because they're just trying to tell good stories. Well, we hope. Yeah. You know, uh, so uh, my last book is from Dark Circle Comics, and this does tie into Star Wars. Ready? How? It's tortured. Uh, the Shield, number one, a, 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 re-imag- a complete reimagining of who the Shield is. Um, and I really like it. It's actually, it reminded me a lot of Sleepy Hollow. Interesting. Uh, so the kind of the take there, but why this ties into Star Wars, aside from being this is a really well-drawn book, it's a really compelling first chapter. It's funny because the front cover looks like a looks like an advertisement for a movie, which makes me think I'm looking at the back cover of a book. Right, I know it's kind of weird. Um, 
starring Victoria Adams. Victoria Adams is the Shield. Oh, okay. And uh, in it, uh, at the end, there's a, there's an essay from an uh, from a writer who has done some suspense novels, who is a former Marine and served three tours in Iraq. Uh, Mike Mike Cole talking about. Uh, so I'm hoping they're keeping these kinds of things. If you're going to do a patriotic book. Talking about what the meaning of the shield is to American symbology, uh-huh. I love this kind of that kind of depth. Why it ties into Star Wars is it's written by Chuck Wendig, who uh-huh. is the author of Star Wars Aftermath, and then the two other books that are going to be gonna, that were announced a couple weeks ago that yep. are going to be coming out. Because this is a writer who I feel like until Star Wars Aftermath came out, I had never heard of him, mm-hmm. and suddenly he is all over my fandom. And so clearly, a, a, you know, interesting writer and definitely has kind of that. I thought, well, comics is perfectly in touch tune with his. He wants to be a screen. You know, well, I shouldn't say he wants to be. He is a screenwriter. But you look at this. It's just really, really it, it's it's, you know, beautiful, straightforward storytelling. Um, I like this art uh, and I like this book and I like what Dark Circle is trying to do with characters that aren't really iconic. You know, but they're clo- they're so close that people see them and go, "I think I know who that is." You know, I hope but it catches. That's the dark circle has always been when they come like a red circle is what they used red to be circle, called. And now they, they come out with like two or three issues and then they go away. But you're gonna love this that upcoming. I just wanted to it's say all the hangman out the, the hangman, but also um, you know, where is the? It's not the that uh, the next Black Hood book is uh, the next Black Hood arc is drawn by Chicken. Oh, okay. so Chicken's a theme tonight. Um, so. Uh, let's take this. That's the end of our comic section, and let's go right to movies because it is not much movie news this week, was there? Really, nothing happened. Uh, <laughs> it is funny because I was like desperately coming through something, going only one thing happened, and like other <laughs> everything else pales. Nobody bothered making any announcements, talking about it. Nothing. Um, so Star Wars. The trailer dropped. There was. Anti, there was racist commentary and criticism, boycott Star Wars 7. Um, Which may have been a hoax. I hope so. Yeah. Because, again, it's not that I think that, um, you know, if you're racist, you're intelligent. But, like, when it's that completely out there, stupid, I'm going to be on a limb and say that. It's sort of like saying, I hate cancer. Um, you know, yeah. It's just like, when it's, that's got, you know, it, it, that had to be. So I think like any any good hoax, it was entirely believable. And when you've got like the Westboro Baptist Church running around and you have all, all these other people making statements to any press exactly. that will listen, you're, you're, you're primed already to believe. That, it that is kind of so hard. Well, like I saw somebody today say that, you know, um, Hillary Clinton drops from the race. Uh, and ask huh. Congress to stop uh, the Benghazi investigation, and, or, or Congress stops the you know. And I'm like, and there were people passing around like, is this real? I'm like, no, it's that guy Andy Borowitz, and it's supposed right. to be satire. Right. But but he writs for Forbes or whoever. No, the he, New Yorker. New Yorker, yeah. You know, but yeah. So I hope that was a hoax uh, because it 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 was just come on. It's like what Drew Campbell said about a month ago. You know, get out of my fandom if you if you don't understand. Right. You know. And I'm torn with the Star Wars trailers. I, I posted a photo of the back of Rick's head watching it at Harry's Hofbrow <laughs> looking, you know. And I thought, this was not the way we were supposed to. Like, why didn't we meet at a sports bar with a huge tele? Why didn't we go to Seven Stars Bar and Grill? Exactly. Was like, oh, you know, because he would have been, he would have had it. And he's like, we played it three times. Paul Cunha said that we've ran it three times at the bar. And, uh, you know, so we watched it basically like a silent film because <laughs> there was no volume. I watched it. it the way my ancestors would have watched it. <laughs> 
Uh, the only way. Who were that Charlie Chaplin? The He's only an adventure no. Hero. The only way you could have made me feel five again would be to watch on a black and white television, yeah. and then it gets snowy in the middle. And I'm like, no. Uh, that's the only way it would have been worse. Uh, but then I got home and I watched it uh, the way the way God intended now, which was on my iPhone, really close to my face, so that sure. it seemed like a, a big screen. Uh, and I, I and I said I tweeted out like I, I it's so hard to keep my oath of. Like, I don't want to know anything. And, and that trailer changed everything. Like, no, I want to mindlessly speculate. Matt Jackson, the director of right. uh, Love in the Time of Monsters, he's like, come on, come on. Speculation's half the fun. I'm like, no, because, you know. I might be right. Well, I might be right, and I don't want to know that I was right. And he's like, no, I'm always wrong. It's okay. Let's have fun. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Pretend you're in a tent in the backyard with all your friends. That's what it feels like, um, you know. i got a lot of friends in that tent then. That's yeah, the problem. It's, it's like, tent. You know, uh, so – you know, and I'm I'm on Facebook going la 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 la. I'm not <laughs> listening, uh, but there's some I mean some really interesting ideas out there, and it's like I hope we're all wrong because I, I last week's Doctor Who pointed out to me, you know that uh, that Stephen Moffat you know feeds off internet speculation the way that the Meyer feeds off the testosterone of crushed Vikings. You know, it's what gives him strength. Is like go ahead, get it completely wrong, and I shall lie to you to feed it to you, and that's you know I. I think that's what's going on with Star Wars. I, I I don't know, but it was some beautiful stuff. I loved the casual. What I loved about the trailer most was all those shots. They're probably all crucial moments in the film. I have no idea what they mean at this point. They yeah. were all just fan service, and that really truly did remind me of 1976. Seeing that trailer for the first time at a double feature at Century 25 of Wizards and Phantom of the Paradise. Ooh, good double feature. Oh, it was a great double feature. <laughs> I was too young to see that double feature, but I saw it anyway. And then recording that tr- that tr- that trailer for yeah. Star Wars, and then playing that on my Memorex cassette player. Wow! Time over and over and over, and aliens from a thousand worlds, and the story of a boy, a girl, and a universe, and you don't know what right. any of it means. Right, right, right. And aside from seeing Harrison Ford, and, and that's they gave me the the total thing about there's a character arc. That Han Solo is the one who says it's all true. Yeah. Is like. Because it's been long enough that people might think. And of he's it. like the old war vet. Yeah. And there's a haunted look to him. And I'm like, okay, that's all I need to know. And, and then I, I saw some further things that said, you know, and this is right. I hadn't really thought about it. Was that if you follow the timeline from Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope. Okay. It's essentially been at most 20 years. And already in the galaxy, the Jedi and the Force have passed into myth right. and legend. Right. So this is 30 years later. Well, because, you know, even even when they were around, not everybody was exposed to them. There were stories anyway. You know, there weren't that many Jedi that they'd be on every planet or whatever. So Right. Yeah. Uh, that, could, that could be. they just get presented again. Another thing is, like, they should have been like ninja. You know, but Lucas made that we showed us the headquarters. It was yeah, too big. You yeah. know, it, 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 it was too they central. Ran the library. It was too central. Yeah. You know, whereas, yeah, you're right. Absolutely, it would have been like, oh, you know, it was more like General Kenobi, who happened to be a Jedi instead right. of he was General Kenobi because he was a Jedi. You right. know, um, and so the thing about that is like, yeah, thirty years later, it's passed into myth again. Right. And I, I love the speculation as to who. Kylo Ren will be revealed to be. I'm not going to to name it right here. I think it's totally wrong, but you know, it's still. Go ahead and name it, Derek. Oh, I have. I'll, it's I'll, all speculation. I'll tell you my one, my one thing. 
and this is based in t- almost entirely on the expanded universe but the, the way i f- yeah. feel about it was there's that scene where they're walking into uh, a br- uh, a stone ivory ivy covered yeah. area with a red robot that's walking the other way jj abrams bad robot <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it is so show me a coke so i was uh when i saw that i thought that's luke's jedi academy that's 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 Maybe. that's where that and and we haven't seen Luke. So well, the speculation is that it, it, he's off somewhere. It, no, is that Kylo Ren will be revealed to be Luke? That oh, that's really? why he says. In the, that's what I'm seeing a lot is what what the, the when the trailer says, "I will complete the work you started to the burn mask of Darth Vader." Yeah, and people are saying like, "Well, what what was the work that Darth Vader had?" And I went, "Well, that he only made one statement, Bring which unity. is together." Together we will rule bring the galaxy order, as order, father and son. Bring order to the galaxy, but as father and son, yeah. and that's what you know. It, and so, no, no, I don't want that to be it. I think they're. I think they kept it's Luke. Not going to be it. I think they've kept Mark Hamill they, out of the trailer because that's going to just be a big reveal. Yeah, and good well, for yeah, J.J. Either, Abrams because you know. Do you remember watching Empire Strikes Back and when each and every character appeared yeah. on screen for the first time, the pop. That came from the audience yeah. because we'd waited for three years to see these characters again because in those days you had to wait. And, you know, it, oh, was, yeah. it was just – that's what I can remember because I think that theaters all across – because I do believe on December 18th only one movie will be shown legally in this country <laughs> and that will be Star Wars uh, <laughs> The Force Awakens. And – that or maybe on December seventeenth at night, but that all these theaters will vibrate themselves to pieces with people going ape guano Do over. Not, I don't have tickets until Sunday. Don't try and talk to me before be, from <laughs> from the eighteenth to 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 it Sunday. It will be my pleasure <laughs> because I will have I will have Hunter's earplugs stuck in my ears. <laughs> I just I'm I'm thinking where can I go to be away from everything? This is like Rick Bretschneider's hell. He actually has to be completely disconnected for three days. Oh my god! Because they're really screening it on December seventeenth. I heard rumors there are some that have it like you know in the morning of the seventeenth, and I wouldn't be surprised if they went ah screw it we're doing it the seventeenth you know like yeah. officially released. Yeah. I hope not. I have tickets for Friday in two D because I have my children. Yeah. And they and my daughter does not handle 3D well, so I'm like, okay, this is how much I love you. Well, you know what? I want to see it how I saw all the other ones in 2D. You know, I, you know I what? Care about 3D. You know what I want? You know what I want? I want to see it like the way I saw all the other ones at Century 22. But I'm not going to get that. Say, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say at Century 22. That's not true. The Return of the Jedi I saw at Cinema 150, another theater that was yes, torn down. That's where I saw that too. And in fact, sadly, last night on Facebook, an old college friend who was from San Jose uh, messaged me. She's been out of the area for like oh. 20 years, and she said. I don't remember the name of the domes, but I think that's where I saw Star Wars. I want to take my kids uh-huh. and go up. And I said, oh, you can't. You know, and it was just that. So, um, you know, it was just like, ah. Uh, well, I, they'll be at the domes up in Sunnyvale. What domes in Sunnyvale? Or oh, Mountain View. That's true. Those are still domes. You're yeah. right. Yes. Sort of. There are still domes, but it's not the same. I know. Although they have leather seats, yeah. so maybe you that's go where to I should Cinerama go. Cinerama Dome. Oh, I know. I have a couple friends that are going to that, and I'm like, oh, no, I have to be. You know, I shouldn't say I have to be. I get to be in the north, Northern California with my children, which is my right pre- preference anyway. But there are certain cinema. Although I got to be honest, the Cinerama Dome is like the Hackworth. 
to me, if you're in the wrong seat in the Cinerama, yeah. it's just not. It, you know, it, it's just not worth it. And the Hackworth is the high uh, IMAX. Is, is at the, the IMAX at the Tech, tech museum. museum in San Jose. And, you know, there are some IMAX theater. If they're domes for IMAX, they're not great. If they're IMAX flat screens, like in Dublin and at yeah. the Metreon in San Francisco, that's where I wish I could go. Um, oh, yeah. The Dublin one is... Oh, it's it's the bomb. Amazing. I love that one. Um, so, anyway, uh, I think... My Luke quick thing. Yes, go. Your Luke My quick hope. speculation. Your new so, hope. So, I don't know if... Did you guys see the leaked photo of Luke? It was like uh, months and months yes, ago. Yes, yes, I did. Okay. My hope, because he's obviously not on the poster and they... Yeah. You only hear his voice and probably see his robot hand in the uh, trailer. My hope is that they just wanted to save his look for the movie itself. That'll actually show. Well, up here's early what in I can. T- you know, I was working on a project that has not come to fruition, and we we did approach him to see if he if he would help. And I think I can say this because it wasn't an NDA or anything. I don't know what the project is, but he said like he told us that he had to even turn down dancing with the stars you know that they'd want it because they really wanted him out of sight but he's made public appearances yeah he was at comic-con so you know i i don't know i agree with you but the other thing i would say is i as much as we all got excited about the poster i really i really long for the kind of classic look of the old posters and they didn't do that and it, like it looks painted yeah it looks too much kinda. like a drew struzan but it's photoshopped mm-hmm photographs of the characters instead of a really a drew struzan poster do something creative but i think that's i don't you know i am not even that's more like my my the state of marketing to me irritates me yeah because i will bet you in a month or less than a month we're going to see those one sheet yeah one character posters if you look at if you look at the the portrait framed or the landscape frame it's the same elements right space and they and so that they can take each one out And make a poster. Each one's a different Photoshop layer, and they can and, just blend and, it in. And it drives me nuts because yeah. I loved the way, even that original painting way back when, even though uh, Mark Hamill was much more muscular in the painting than he was in real life, you know, really cut. Oh, yeah. With that lightsaber above his right. head and, and, you know, bo- bosom heaving on Princess Leia. But, you know, one thing is a commentary I saw today, and I really loved this, was that Carrie Fisher, you know, is allowed to be, or that Princess Leia is allowed to be who Princess Leia is. And maybe this is the movie that's going to break through. She looks tired. She looks older because she's yeah. 60. Um, Leia will have seen some things, and you see that shot of her in that. And, and it's yeah, like, she looks good. concerned. And, and, and but, but, I mean, but being that she's allowed to look old, because that's part yeah. of her, um, uh, her wishful drinking one-woman show, is she said she didn't realize that when she signed on to play Leia, you know her one woman show that she had done up in San Jose, and she does this monologue. And she said when she signed on, she didn't realize that she was going to be required because she had so much criticism over her appearance over the years. Yeah, and she lost like forty pounds to be in this movie. Um, that she didn't realize she was going to be stuck as one image. Yeah, that she wasn't going to be allowed to age. You know when she when she signed on to do the role in the first place. So that she is, that Leia's really truly been allowed to age is fantastic. And I think it's true. We want to see Han Solo as an old man, as the grizzled war veteran who doesn't want to fight of all things. You know, that's what it feels like is, yeah. is like, uh, you know, who knows what it, re- what any of it is. I just want to see it. I'm so, so excited for it. We should move on. We shall. <laughs> I'm getting choked up. 
just thinking about it. I know. Rick almost shorted out his microphone crying. And yet, we're actually faster than we usually are. Uh, so, uh, Peyton Reed, this is like the, the very few movie things. Peyton Reed is in talks to direct Ant-Man and the Wasp. He was the director of Ant-Man, so they may bring back a director for the second film. Let's do it. I'm in favor of that. I'm in favor of that. I liked his style there. Uh, I actually went to movies. Um, David S. Goyer says that there's a new screenwriter on Sandman. It may go into production next year. I'll believe that when I see it. And just to mention, on June 16th, 2017, Kingsman 2, The Yanks, will be uh, re- released in theaters. I still have not seen you still Kingsman seen 1. It? I was going to say, no. I have it, but I have not seen it yet. I saw it, and... I know, you didn't... I, I recall. I, I, I know. and I, 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 I and wanted this it to be so much better. This is one of those movies that I feel like half the people I know really love it, and... But there, it wasn't. I hated. I was disappointed by it because I didn't think they had to go for some of the. But again, this is what I think, Mark Miller. Yeah. Because I blow hot and cold on him all the time, and there are some things where he's done. Like he's got this new comic series coming out called Huck, that I. It sounds like I really like it. I'd really like it, and then I go, but it's Mark Miller. But then again, I love Starlight, so yeah. you, you know, I, it, it's. But there are so many of his books that I hate. And so I'm a, I have Kingsman somewhere as a trade paperback to read. I haven't picked it up in a while. I, you know, I haven't read it yet, so it's just sort of in my stack of I got to get to that. And then I'll watch the movie yeah. and then maybe I'll enjoy it cuz I like everybody else involved, you know. So I want to see Colin Firth as an action hero. But there's nowhere to Colin Firth will be in the second one and if it's just the young guy, then it holds no interest to me at all. The Colin Firth stuff is priceless it's sterling it's wonderful yeah so we shall see let's uh let's move to television then because here's news that rick wants yeah which is that the man in the high castle went to series on amazon prime and the first two episodes will be aired this weekend can we call it aired streamed available available yes they will be released this weekend on amazon prime the Man in the High Castle, of course, a series based on Philip K. Dick's classic alternate history, alternate Earth uh, novel, sci-fi, science fiction novel in which the uh, Axis powers won World War II. Um, they did some alterations. Uh, I hope it will actually make a lot more sense than Dick's novel, which I recently reread you yeah. know, like a year ago and went, well, it's like a lot, of, uh, a lot of Philip K. Dick novels where it's sort of like this concept is great. He's operating on a plane that nobody else is because he was doing a lot of drugs. He was on drugs when he was writing this. And he's one of those writers who it's he leaves you to draw a lot of conclusions. Yes. It's a book about a vibe and about a situation, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have a satisfactory conclusion. But this television series, the pilot that they showed last year on Amazon Prime, yeah. really had some interesting uh, – you know, an interesting way to adapt it to uh make it more visual yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest anybody to go out of their way to read the book before watching this because i was i think it's different enough and the production values were wonderful i mean all, every, the the world that they're creating which is this alternate history where you're still we're in the it's we're in, in the, the 50s now? 60s because that's when the, the book 60s. came out it's it's yeah. it's in the 60s after these changes that happened at the end of world war ii that have rippled through society, rippled through everything about life, and you see these little touches throughout day-to-day life where you go, oh, that's different. Right, so where I think that one of the things in the in the novel that there was a book going around that imagined what would it be yeah, like if the, if the Allies had won. 
in this, which I find more intriguing, is someone has access into and is smuggling newsreels around the country that portray the acts of the, the allies winning. Like, so they're actually getting footage, you know, newsreels from the way history actually happened. Yeah. Because actually the funny thing in Dix, and this is why it's like one extra layer too many for the average reader now, is like, is that it portray you know, this novel, this, this, this underground novel is about the allies winning, but it's also not our history. It's still another layer right. of alternate history. And so it's just like, uh, it, as always, Philip K. Dick, he's always so right. But Did it's you ever also, see the movie version of... Um, if you say, do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep? No, 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 no. no. The, uh, uh, it's not Through a Glass, through a glass Darkly? Or... Amir, uh, uh, yeah, through a, a mirror through the darkly. looking glass. No, a no. mirror darkly. A mirror darkly. Yes, I have that. I actually have scanner it. Scanner darkly. A scanner darkly. Yes. Scanner darkly. That is it. Yes, Robert Downey Jr. and Keanu Reeves. And it was all done in this. Uh, yeah, it's a computer generated, computer generated, yes. almost anime. Yes. Kind of thing. Animated. 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 It's 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 rotoscoping, kind of kind um, of rotoscoping. Rotoscope. That is that is that I thought was a very typical Philip. That was a very yes. true to the core Philip K. Dick uh, adaptation, where it actually had a had an yeah. ending you had to think about. Yes, and decide because it doesn't. And that was the way to really end. And that was the way to do that book. I mean, yeah. it was very clearly. I was like, no, that's probably the best straight up yeah uh, truest adaptation because everything i should have to I mean, could you read the do andrew's dream of electric sheep right. and watch blade runner and they're very different very, although there are some ideas that cross over right and there are there are ideas again i must say if you, if you haven't read uh do andrew's dream of electric sheep there are things that the more i sit and watch uh catch on television because i say i never willingly sit down and watch these things but when you see things like the view and the chew and the i don't know who and what else is going and good morning america and you realize his whole concept of celebrity in the 21st century came true yeah and i think they're all androids you know that's it's just there are these little touches where you just go he is so scarily on to what civilization has become and especially when he deals with celebrities and that's you know our culture so i'm looking forward to the man in the high castle uh this weekend stars is going to show on october 30th an evil dead marathon which is evil dead evil dead 2 and army of darkness because on october 31st ash versus evil dead debuts the half hour installment of the f- five hour latest chapter <laughs> i don't i don't currently get stars but oh, i'm no. thinking about it did anybody see the uh did they show it at comic-con the first episode i don't think they showed it they showed a trailer because i was in the press circle the next the round tables the next uh-huh. day and nobody at the table had seen the had seen the pilot i know that the pilot has been leaked out to people to talk about uh-huh. you know but uh it's not which I guess I forgot to throw in, and I'll, I'll add in, is just to add in Supergirl, because now we can, I, again, reiterate, since that starts next Monday, Supergirl is an amazing pilot. You should be watching that. I want to write up a review this week, but um, it is it, it is greatness. On Monday, starting at 8.30 to 9.30, Monday, October 26th, on CBS, after the Big Bang Theory, and then afterwards, a, after that episode, it's going to be 8 to 9 o'clock, right up against Gotham, which, of course, now became a show that was somewhat watchable. So I, 
Uh, you know, you were. What do I care? I'm you were gushing shifting. about it so much. I'm going through it right now, and it is so much better than season one. Yes, not even, not that's even. what's ticking me off. It's like yeah. I was hate watching last year, and now I'm like, okay, and we can talk about the code thing that bothered me. Um, but uh, but you know, we're time shifting anyway. But yeah. uh, but it's still. It's like, why would you put Gotham up against Super? And did they have in the first season? I know they had shootings, but did they have shootings where there was like blood splatter. I think so. There were a few, okay. but it wasn't as it's gotten it's, really it's gotten intense. Really, yeah. But when you're dealing with Arkham, yeah, you should be. And the addition of James Frain, who makes almost everything watchable, uh, you he's know, the leader. Of he's the, the he's the leader the, of the Arkham the, villains. Yeah, right. So let's not forget the addition of the commish. Come on. Okay. Yes. Uh, I have not actually seen an episode. I've only watched the first two episodes. I know he's coming in, but uh, have not yet watched anything with him. The ever-loving blue-eyed thing. I know yes. who he is. Uh, I also want to point out, if anybody can catch it, last weekend was, I don't know if it was the end of the trilogy, but the Robot Chicken DC Comics special. I just, because they always get Jeff Johns involved, and I think he voices The Flash. Wow. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the, the, they go so deep into continuity. There's a joke about Simon, the Teen Titans villain. Uh, <laughs> you know... And they have a plot that they have this. I mean, they do all these blackout sketches, but I, I think I'm going to be watching this two or three times just to see if I can catch all the references. But they uh, they do have the uh, <laughs> they do the composite Superman, the half Batman, oh, yeah, half yeah. Superman, and they open up multiple Earths. And my favorite joke, <laughs> it's a dumb throwaway joke, is how they go. It's like a crisis on. A lot of Earths. <laughs> I can't even say the right one. <laughs> what you want. But, but they have all these alternate versions of everything. And that they bother that Greenland, that they've kept with this, is that their Green Lantern is the gray-templed jerk. Right. And it's still Nathan Fillion just for a couple of lines is so, is so great. But well, it's, it's obvious that when you have that much attention, the people who are doing it really do love the source material. And that they have Alfred Molina. Tony winning actor, Academy, I believe he's Academy Award nominated, if not one. I've seen him on stage. He's a brilliant actor voicing Lex Luthor and singing as Lex Luthor because in, in DC, in the DC special two, the second one, they revealed that back in Smallville, he had been part of a hair metal band called Sex Luthor. Uh, and so wow. he comes back and they topped that joke. I thought there's no way they're going to top. So they topped that joke. And so it's, it's a little uh, risque, certainly not safe to safe for work. But if I can find the video, which does remind me, of course, you can go to fanboy planet and elsewhere today. You can see that uh, adult swim also released the trailer for venture brothers season six. Yeah. Oh, so many fast cuts. Just so many fast cuts. I, I haven't watched through. It just taunted the crap out of you, didn't oh, it? Oh, man. Did you get the sheets? Did you convince uh, I just Debbie got, to buy I the sheets? Just got, I just got through that. And I went, I'd watch that again, but I'm already exhausted from watching that the first time. Yeah. It's like, uh, and then this, this, the, they would show like a 15-second scene yeah. in there, and then they blast through a bunch of another 15-second scene. It's like, <sighs> just... Truly, awesome. one truly one of my favorite television shows. Yeah, period. Uh, even though it requires you to have watched a lot of other television shows to get it, half it, of it, it is like a slightly more accessible League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. 
Yes, only everybody's a parody, so you don't you right, know you right. have to know who the source you have to are. you have to know the source to get get some of the that jokes. They still even last year when they did that special in space that they still had they were carrying through a Red Hulk joke, and yes. every time they did, yes. I'm like, oh Nate, this is so tasty. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Zach Luther, I forgot to mention during comics because I don't know where else it fits. So I got a book announcement is that I can talk about is that in time for Comic Con next summer from Overlook Press, it is now available to pre order on Amazon. Though they still have to correct the listing, my name is, there is a not picture on up it. Yet? Apparently so. I okay. have not seen it, but there is a cover picture. I don't know its final art, uh, but I have been working on uh, a book, a memoir, not of my own life. I only make up other people's. Uh, called "I Fought the Sex Ray," which is uh, the memoirs of Jason Williams, who was the star of the first adult film parody, uh, Flesh Gordon. Uh, and he also did the adult film parody of Alice in Wonderland and became a B-movie director, producer, actor as well. Uh, in fact, he just told me there was, that just a couple months ago, one of the movies that he shot back in the early 90s finally came out. So it's on DVD. Uh, I don't remember what, I don't see what the title is. But anyway, uh, so we've written a book about his adventures in Hollywood in the 70s, hanging out at the comedy store in the early days, working on Flesh Gordon, which was also the uh, where uh, Rick Baker got his start. Uh, the Academy Award-winning makeup artist who just retired because CG, he said, has sort of replaced his work. Uh, and Dennis Miran, who was the president of Industrial Light and Magic, uh, began his techniques on that film. So we have that book coming out in time for Comic-Con from Overlook Press. I Fought the Sex Ray. Currently says by Jason Williams. My name should appear on it shortly. Uh, but I'm so thrilled that I have an Amazon listing and can talk about it. That finally a project that I've been working on for two Congratulations. years. Congratulations. I know you've been, uh, you've been working really hard on it for a long time. <laughs> I have. and uh, so, But it also has, by the way, uh, interviews with, an interview with Betty Jo Trimble, uh, who was the makeup lady on that as well. And also known as B. Jo. B. Jo, yeah. I just never sure how to say it. I guess it is B. Jo. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and apparently she's talked about it in her book as well. But um, it's just just a cool project that's uh, finally coming out, and we'll be able to soon hard code it onto the sidebar of Fanboy Planet. Uh, there you go. So there you go, people. I had a confirmation email from a friend who said I pre-ordered it, so anyone can. Uh, apparently, they let that happen. So uh, that is all we have to talk about this week because we talked a lot about Star Wars, mm. and we shall uh, reconvene next week. Uh, I believe so, right? We don't have any other conflicts before Halloween. I think that's correct. Okay. Um, I think we should change that wording on Family Planet. It's like we, pod- we release podcasts pretty much weekly. Uh, you know, most of the time <laughs> we're close to that. Uh, but uh, there we go. So uh, until next time and beyond, I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. I'm Dave Casta. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to... Use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I, dot com.
have a version of the S class, which are the which is the only thing that's available right now that that goes to like zero to sixty in you know three point eight seconds, and I'm just like, where would I ever do that? Right. Or have the ability to do that. I want to save this. I want to do car talk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll I'll, I'll, I didn't have that question down, but I'll throw this and we'll talk <laughs> yeah. a little car car talk. Car talk. Excellent. Yeah. And, okay. and also, how ashamed I should be of myself as be, uh, being a Detroiter and not uh, having an American car. Uh, so there you go. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. technically, the car is made in America, <laughs> so I will. I don't know. We have a showroom very close here. It's very close by. So yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, are you guys hearing me through the computer again or through my headphone thing? I think we're hearing you through the headphone. Uh, whatever it is, don't change anything. You sound human this week. Do you hear this? Yes. Yes. Don't do okay. that. So, you're hearing me through the computer then? Sit perfectly okay. still. I hate it. Are the doors locked, Nate? They're not locked. Oh, okay. okay. Are you wearing the tinfoil helmet? I am wearing the tinfoil helmet. Okay, excellent. We're ready to go then. All right. Whenever you point at me, I'll be In ready to say three, it. two... One. Oh, listen up, fanboy!